Welcome to the Know and Love Podcast, where we discuss how to interpret the scriptures for everyday life in order to grow in our devotion to God and His Word. We are your hosts, Adam and Rachel Pereira, and we are so glad that you joined us today. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of the Know and Love podcast. Adam and Rachel here, like usual. And uh, we have spent the last few episodes kind of diving a little deep into some of the covenants that we see, well, all of the covenants that we see throughout Scripture and kind of expounding on those. Uh, We know that those episodes were a little bit longer and they kind of needed to be in order for us to talk through all the elements of those covenants, but we do hope that they were helpful to you, even if you needed to split up the episodes into a couple listening sessions. Today's episode is going to get back to some of the nitty-gritty of how we take those ideas we've been talking about in, in the previous episodes of this season and put them to work in your personal Bible study. Yeah, as we begin, I kind of have a funny story uh, just about our dating life. This is one of my favorite stories, by the way. Yeah. uh, So when we started to get to know each other, uh, Rachel and I, I would always be afraid, what if I run out of things to talk about? Of course, knowing what I know now, there's never a shortage of things to talk about uh, because uh, Rachel keeps the conversation going pretty well. Uh, But uh, I didn't know that back then, so I would be so nervous because I didn't really know Rachel before we officially kind of started to get to know each other um, through conversations and doing various things. Um, So in those awkward initial phone calls, I would take a note card and rack my brain for specific questions and and topics to bring up should the conversation go silent. In case there was an awkward lull in the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And and, uh, I guess maybe the the most embarrassing part of that story is I never really told you Mm -mm. that I did that. Nope. And I must have left one of those note cards in a book or in a coat pocket or, or something. Bible or something. I don't remember. Yeah, because uh, maybe a couple years into our marriage, you kind of said, Adam, what's this? What are all these scribbled thoughts and questions? And and uh, yeah, kind of got immediately embarrassed. And I was like, oh, those are the questions and the topics I would write uh, to be sure that our conversation uh, kept going, and we actually had things to talk about. And at the end of the conversation, it was a productive time. <laughs> it was hilariously sweet to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, when when uh, we were preparing for um, this topic in this episode, what questions should I be asking in my Bible study? Uh, that story came to mind to my mind. Uh, Because we need to be proactively and purposefully coming to the Bible uh, purposefully in our our study. Uh, It's so easy to be passive readers of the Bible that we find ourselves getting caught in the trap that we're just kind of mindlessly reading words and not thinking about the words we're, we're reading or even knowing quite 
what to do with those words. What to be looking for, right. Yeah, so we're going to hopefully be able to give you some helpful questions to be asking when you are doing your own personal Bible study. And uh, we want you to know that it's okay if you, if we don't know all the answers to the questions we're asking. Uh, That's why God has given us the beautiful community of a local church. We hope that you are connected to one. Um, And in that church are other uh, believers who might have studied that passage ahead of you. Your church leaders love it when you come to them with questions about what you've been studying. Uh, We want to make sure that we are doing Bible study in that community, um, that we can uh, feed off of one another in what we're studying in God's Word. That's right. So what we're going to do as we begin this episode is we are going to be going through some questions that should be going through your mind and my mind uh, as we study the Bible. And and just to be helpful, uh, we're going to categorize these questions under three main headings. The first heading is content. What is the text saying? And then the second heading we're going to be looking at is theology. What is the text that we're reading or studying, teaching? And then the third category is application. How does this text affect my life? Yeah, and hopefully these will give you kind of a framework as you're approaching Scripture. But we were talking before we started recording that sometimes these tend to be more intertwined than 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 separate. The example that came to my mind was uh, if if a detective is starting um, his research and is looking into a certain mystery, um, there's going to be a, a kind of a complete blank wall, right? Maybe he has his one, um, I don't know, the crime right in the middle. And then you can imagine as he gets more clues, he starts adding them to his bulletin board and connecting them with that red thread until there's this whole mass of red thread connecting all these different facts and clues as he's figuring out the mystery. And that's the image that comes to my mind as well when I think about Bible study. If you are brand new to studying scripture, there may just be uh, a couple threads. You might need to go through these things very strictly, maybe is the word I'm thinking of, um, looking at these one by one. But the more you study scripture, the more you uh, get familiar there's going to be those automatic red threads that pop into your head. Mm -hmm. So these things might start happening, the more familiar you get with Scripture, uh, more simultaneously. And that's not a a bad thing. We just want to make sure that we are taking all of these different things into consideration to get the full picture of what this passage that we're studying is, is really saying. Yep, yep. So let's look at content, that first category. What's the text saying? So, Rachel, what are some thoughts that we should be kind of considering some questions we should be asking as we uh, want to, in content, the content of the passage, actually be studying the text, looking at the specific text we're reading and asking certain questions. Right. The, The first thing we can do when we're studying the text is to find out what is the context of the passage that I'm reading. Um, we'll, we'll get to this a, a little bit more later, but um, remember when we talked in a previous episode about that uh, textual or covenantal level, um, 
So what is the, the context of the passage I'm reading? This reminds me of, of what we talked about as well, of the importance of studying an entire book or an entire section of scripture rather than just jumping in. You're not going to know where you're studying. It also reminds me of reading and rereading a passage. It's okay to read slowly and to keep um, going through a passage if the context doesn't jump out to you right away. Yeah, I think that that's a problem um, that that a lot of times we we have in our understanding of Scripture is we kind of we kind of frame uh, the passage of Scripture, so to speak, into um, little isolated verses, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like going to the Christian bookstore and decorating your wall with verses where you don't really know. Uh, what's surrounding that verse or that right. passage? I mean, when we watch a a TV series, uh, usually you're you're watching it consecutive consecutively with the episodes, and you know what's going on in the story. You know what's going on uh, in, in the 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 series, whatever it is. You know the characters, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you'd be you'd be you kind of be lost if you just jump into episode five of a certain season and expect to. Uh, to kind of know what's going on, right. so um, so looking at okay, w- what has happened in the text I'm reading uh, surrounding the text? What's come before this? Uh, what's the context? What's the setting in in which I'm reading this? And and you're right that in our Bible study, I, I really think the most productive Bible study we can have is is reading through. Uh, books of the Bible from start to finish in order to be able to to really grasp what is the context of the passage I'm reading. Right. And once we get that context settled, um, then another question to ask is, as I'm reading through this, am I seeing words or even phrases that are coming up a lot? They're being repeated. Again, um, I'll make that plug for rereading a passage. Sometimes you don't see it when you read it through the first time. Um, <clears throat> but if you go back and, and read it again, sometimes I like to listen to it. Uh, you, your brain just sometimes digests the information differently when somebody else is reading it to you. Um, but you're going to start picking up on repeated phrases, um, repeated words throughout that that text. Yeah. Uh, and, and when when we're you're reading and when... when uh, I'm reading, or or whoever stu- you're you're reading it as a group, whatever. Really, just taking your time through the text. It's so easy to just say, "Okay, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible for my devotions," and we we read through it in about ten minutes, and then uh, we're kind of surprised when we don't get anything out of it. Well, maybe we need to. The key word is slow down. Uh, in fact. Um, this comes to mind in, in two different examples that I can think of. Of course, you do not need to, um, to know the Greek and Hebrew. Um, that helps, but, but uh, it's not a necessity because we have good, accurate English translations. But, but in, uh, in studying the Greek and Hebrew, one of the most uh, effective things that it caused uh, me to do was you literally have to slow down and be translating each individual word. So every word holds significance. Mm-hmm. And when you're slowing down, focusing on the words, you're able to see like, whoa, this is like the third time in, in, in these five verses that this word was used. Or 
boy, this is the same concept that that was just said. So there must be an emphasis here. Um, and, and, uh, so that's kind of the first example of, of just slowing down. Uh, maybe a more uh, a more prominent example um, that that everyone. Uh, can relate to is when you're first starting to learn to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know our kids are homeschooled, and and Rachel's been had the privilege of teaching all of our kids um, to read, and and Julia right now is learning to read, and uh, I was helping her the other day, and it was just I was seeing her having to really look at every single word and sound it out. And just go very slowly, and, and and of course we're not going to necessarily read our Bible in that way, where we're sounding out each syllable uh, like like she did. But it just emphasized in my mind, just slowing down to to focus on the words. Right. And well, and side note too on that, as you were speaking, uh, the end of of taking your time to read, like when Julie is reading one sentence and it takes her a while, there's actually kind of a, a feeling of joy and excitement and accomplishment when she gets to that end of the sentence because she took such effort to really get it. And uh, I think the same thing happens too. When we slow down and start seeing those connections, there's a there's a joy that starts coming from reading your Bible. It's like, yeah. oh, I got it. I slowed right. down and I got it. Um, so so we've answered what's the context. We've asked ourselves any keywords we're seeing in a passage. What's another question we can ask ourselves? Well, we have to ask ourselves, okay, in this specific text that I'm reading, what's the author's main point or points that, that he is trying to get across? Um, and, and we have to remember, because sometimes we get so intimidated about the Bible, and, and I know we discussed that in a previous episode, um, but we have to remember that the New Testament authors, I'm thinking specifically, they were not, uh, nor the Old Testament authors, they were not writing to geniuses. Mm-hmm. They were not writing to uh, scholarly theologians that, wow, you know, the, the words that they were writing was only for the upper elite people. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and when you think of the New Testament authors and, and the different, um, just the different um, backgrounds. situations, yeah. backgrounds that many of the readers were coming from, uh, many had little education. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people could possibly not even have been able to read. I mean, the New Testament epistles were passed around to the various churches in the area to which they were written, and they were read aloud from from. Um, they were read aloud to the congregation. Uh, so so uh, we have to get over the thought that, well, for me to get anything out of the scripture, I have to somehow have this great knowledge, great understanding. The Bible is not written to geniuses. Right. And it is important to admit, too, that there are also parts of Scripture that are kind of hard to understand, complicated, that that the smartest brains still don't fully comprehend, right? Right. Yeah, because the Bible is God's uh, revelation of himself to man. And of course, our God is an infinitely wise and, and holy God, and we could never understand his depths. Um, and in fact, Second Peter three verses fourteen to sixteen, uh, Peter writes, "Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord uh, salvation 
And then he says, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So there's definitely uh, complex parts of scriptures, and theologians have... have uh, investigated and debated the meaning of certain passages for uh, for centuries, and, and we're never going to know the fullness of Scripture, of course, um, uh, until we're in eternity and, and continue to look at the glorious truths of Scriptures throughout eternity. Uh, but that should encourage us. It shouldn't intimidate us, because our God uh, is, is so vast and infinitely wise that that we we will be in a, uh, spending an eternity knowing him more. Right. We can be encouraged by the fact that even though we don't grasp every single uh, nuance of every single portion of scripture, um, that doesn't mean we can't get the main idea of who our God is and who our Savior is, and that we have eternity to look forward to to be able to grasp and study all these things. That's right. That's right. And I, I think the last thing is we kind of look at this first category of uh, the context of what is, or the content, what is the content in um, this passage I'm studying? What's the text saying? What, what words are being emphasized? What's, what seems to be the main idea or ideas here in this passage is keeping in mind uh, those three levels of, of interpretation that we talked about in one of the earlier episodes. You have the the immediate level, which we've talked about, kind of the, the level of the text. What's the text saying? Uh, we have the, the progressive level, or what we call the covenantal level. Um, where am I in the storyline of Scripture? Uh, what covenant um, uh it are the the uh, it is it are the people under of which this story is written or uh, this letter was written uh, under what covenant, uh, and then um, the canonical level or the big picture level. So how, uh, understanding the Bible tells one story that points to Jesus. How does this specific text? point us to Christ, to the big picture of the Bible. We need to be thinking along those lines when we're reading Scripture, whether that be the Old Testament or the New Testament. Yeah, I think that's that's helpful. Um, so that's kind of that first section that we're pointing out is when you are studying a passage, uh, we want to look at what is the actual content of what I'm, I'm reading and what are the questions I'm asking to get a handle on the content. The, the next thing we want to emphasize when we're studying a passage is the theology of the passage. What is the text teaching. So what are some specific questions that we can ask to get a grasp on what the theology of a certain passage is? Yep, in this second category. And again, as Rachel said at the beginning, um, these things are going to overlap. So so you're going to be, uh, especially as you continue studying God's Word, asking a lot of these questions in your mind simultaneously. Kind of all at the same time, yeah. Uh, but it does mm-hmm. help to have them on paper, uh, separate. But uh, when we think of understanding what is this text now teaching, thinking, okay, what's the author wanting his audience to see? What's he wanting them to come to believe? What is he wanting his audience to know? Um, what main point, again, is uh, is this text teaching us? 
both maybe the original audience and, and us as well as recipients of Scripture. Right. It's important to remember that Scripture itself is uh, God-breathed. It comes from the mind of God. He used human authors to be able to write it. So there is a specific purpose, a specific element maybe of God's character, something that God has accomplished that we as readers and the you know, first-time readers were, were to see and believe and to know um, about this passage. I think another good question to ask kind of leading into that is, what is this passage teaching me specifically about God? That could be God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. What am I seeing about the character of God or the works of God in this passage? Yeah, and, and, and you're developing... Uh, a theology of that passage, a theology um, of Scripture based upon asking these questions. So this is much different than simply reading your Bible, reading the chapter or the 10 verses or however, uh, however much of Scripture you're reading, and then saying, okay, that's good, and closing your Bible and, and walking away. Specifically asking yourself, okay, what is this passage teaching me about God? Whether that is God the Father, God the Son, uh, God the Holy Spirit. Some passages might be even teaching you something about all three of them. Right, right. <laughs> and, and it, or a passage may not even be, be mentioning mm-hmm. God, but yet it's, it's uh, revealing the character of God. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, our, our, our need for trust in God. Uh, so then uh, a third question under theology that is helpful for us to be asking ourselves to, to kind of be thinking through the text is how is this passage pointing me specifically to Christ? So of course, Jesus is the fullness of, of God's uh, revelation of himself. So how does the passage I'm reading, how is it leading me to Christ? Uh, remember Jesus uh, talked in, in Luke that that all of the the prophets the um, the writings the law it all points to Jesus so so how does this passage I'm looking at give me a better understanding reliance upon Christ can I ask you a quick question on yeah. that point that might be um, a, a trip up for some people mm-hmm. uh, especially in the Old Testament um, what if I'm reading a passage? <clears throat> and you know i don't e- i don't see some of those specific threads straight to christ or what christ's work um <clears throat> do i have to you know just keep digging until i can find some exact r- reference to christ or something that is a you know something that christ specifically filled i'm just thinking of some of those really difficult passages in the old testament um where uh, you know, may, maybe it's in Judges and some of those really horrible stories in there that, that maybe I don't see some typology or some something that Christ specifically fulfilled. How do I point my eyes to Christ even in some of those passages? Yeah, no, that's a good question. <clears throat> and I think all of the Bible reveals, it reveals the human condition. Mm-hmm. I think it reveals um, the, the, the need for Christ. Right. Uh, the, the scripture can reveal... <laughs> That there is, as we looked at the covenants, there is the need for someone greater than, than who is in that passage, that though may, they may be following God, they are flawed men uh, and women just like we are. So I think that there are, uh, all of Scripture is, uh, the Old Testament is really 
preparing the way for Christ. You have promise, the promise of Christ in the Old Testament and the fulfillment of Christ in the New Testament. So all of Scripture is kind of paving that way, revealing to mankind their need, uh, showing that, that, they, that there is someone greater that's of necessity uh, to be um, that kind of image bearer that we looked at. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that if we're thinking along those lines, it can help us in being able to grasp uh, the significance of a passage and, and, and even help us in our theology of understanding how the Bible does point us to Christ. Right, yeah, I think that's a good clarification because I have spoken to people before that have been almost frustrated by the fact that they're, you know, reading some story um, in Judges or in the Old Testament and they say, well, I don't, I don't see Jesus in this chapter. Um, but I think what you just pointed out is really helpful. The, the Old Testament is always anticipating the need of the arrival of, of this Messiah that we so desperately need, even in some of those really yucky Old Testament stories. Yeah. And then the New Testament is saying, hey, he's here. How That's are you right. reflecting on that? That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And, and, and that is an ever, uh, that's an, an, uh, a never-ending, um, really, joy of a journey of understanding kind of in the fullness of Scripture how how we really, we continually are learning about mm-hmm. how, you know, Christ is made evident in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament. We've never arrived and come to a complete understanding sure. um, uh, of the of the scriptures and specifically how they point us to Christ. Uh, I also uh, think that in dealing with the theology of a passage that we're looking at, whether that be in our devotions or whether that be um, in in more intense Bible study is what elements of the Christian faith is this text touching on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be things like uh, prayer, maybe uh, perseverance in the faith, um, faithfulness to God's calling in our life, trust in, in God's character. Again, reflecting back on that, um, <clears throat> who is God in this passage, um, where we're placing our confidence, you know, all, all kind of questions like that. Yeah, so, so hopefully you see... Um, both from looking at the content of the actual text, just simply what's going on, what is the text saying, then moving to, okay, here are some questions, what, what is the text now teaching me? I hope you see here that, that this is an active process of reading God's Word to understand it. It's not simply a passive, I'm going to read, I'm not really going to engage my my heart and mind in it. Right. Which then leads us, because we're not done yet, to the, the final um, kind of category, and that would be application. So uh, the book of James, I believe, talks about the example of looking into a mirror and seeing that something's wrong with your appearance and then walking away from it and not fixing what you just saw in the mirror. And uh, that's a beautiful example of, I think, where application then fits into this process of studying scripture. Um, The word of God is living and active. So we should also be walking away from our time in the word, asking the question, how does this text affect my life? Um, And so what are some questions we can ask in application? Yeah, and and before we even get to those questions, I think it's important also to, to make comment that uh, it's all probably it's probably all of our tendency to read a passage and just jump to yes. the application, mm-hmm. right? And and then we get <clears throat> frustrated because sometimes we can't see any application of specific passages, 
And uh, we're not really going through the, the work of understanding, okay, what's in this text? Uh, what's kind of being emphasized in the content? Uh, some of those questions we looked at, what's this text actually teaching? And then going from there to application to really have a fuller sense of application yes. of a passage. Exactly. Um, so we need to be asking ourselves uh, with application, uh, how do the truths of this passage meet me where I am today? And it's so easy, even, even if you are uh, depending on how you're wired and maybe you like to kind of study the details of things and, and um, you're, you like to study the, uh, okay, what's this passage saying? It's easy to forget, hey, before I close my Bible, I need to say, okay, how does this, the truth of this passage meet me where mm-hmm. I'm at today? Um, what do I need to walk away from uh, keeping in my mind and heart throughout the day? We're not done with our Bible study until we start asking these questions. Yeah, and I think we, we haven't included this in some of the questions or things to include in your study, but we have mentioned it in previous episodes. That's where prayer is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the Word of God is living, um, and the Holy Spirit is working through the Word in, in our lives. And so this might be a great place to stop and pray and say, all right, God, I've done all the work in the content and what this text is teaching could you please enlighten me on how this does meet me where I am today? Um, another good question to ask is, wh- how does this change what I believe in light of what I just studied? Maybe I've been clinging to something entirely wrong. Maybe I've been believing something totally wrong about God. How does this adjust um, what I actually believe? Yeah, uh, and and how does this you know how does this text remind me uh, what to believe in in light of Maybe, again, like we talked about under theology, what it's saying about God. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this text remind me that God is my confidence? How does this text re- make me realize more that Christ really is my sufficiency? Uh, how does this text re- remind me of this, the Holy Spirit's work in my life? Mm-hmm. That, that man, I see all my failings and shortcomings, but, but, but this passage is reminding me that it's the Spirit that it's at, is at work in my heart. So all of those application questions, um, thinking about, okay, I'm not done until I am looking in that mirror of God's Word and and looking at my life and how I need to be believing more in the gospel, putting more faith in in God and and, in the sufficiency of Christ. Right. And, and once we see these things, once we maybe believe differently than we were before we read the passage, then we're able to answer the question, how do I live in light of what I've just studied? Does that need to change something in my approach to the day? And um, we don't have to go into that too specifically because I think that's the Holy Spirit's work in, mm-hmm. in, in everybody's life individually. How does this fit into then how you're going to live in your specific context that yeah. day? Yeah, exactly. So, again, if you don't get anything else out of this episode, I hope and and Rachel hopes that that you get out of it that you need to be an active reader of the Bible right. and be engaging your your mind, your heart, your your intellect, your your emotions, your your desires. You need to be interacting those things in the text and and not just be a passive reader of mm-hmm. scripture. Uh, before we end, uh, 
We thought maybe it would be helpful just to look really briefly at two texts that mm-hmm. that uh, where we, we won't go by order all these questions one by one. That would take a couple episodes. Right. But, but just kind of incorporating <clears throat> these into a few example texts, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. Um, the Old Testament example, I guess uh, I'll do that one. You think of Genesis 22, and and of course, this is a, a famous passage. It's a, a popular passage because uh, it's the passage dealing with uh, Abraham uh, offering his son Isaac. But just, you know, a few ways to be engaging your mind in the text through what we've read, you know, looking at the context. Um, chapter 22, verse 1, it begins by saying, after these things. So if you're reading the Bible, it'd be a good idea to say, okay, what are the these things it's referring to? And that's, again, the strength of reading um, through, in this case, the book of Genesis, that that you're you're studying through, you're reading through the these things that it's just referring to. Sure, right. And it says, God tested Abraham, and and, uh, Abraham says, here I am. I mean, that should jump off the pages to us. And in verse 7, that phrase is repeated. Abraham speaking to Isaac, here I am, my son. Uh, We read that passage of God's servants throughout the Bible. You think of Isaiah, here I am, send me. Mm -hmm. So we see uh, uh, Abraham is pictured here from the very beginning as an obedient follower of Jesus. Um, We talked about in the content, focusing on words. What words are emphasized? What words are repeated? We'll look at verse 2. God says to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So that phrase right there is really being emphasized who exactly it is, what it is that God is calling Isaac uh, to give, to sacrifice. It is your son, in case you don't realize, it is your only son, the one that's been promised for about 25 years that finally came. Um, And and then not only that, the son who you You love. love. Mm -hmm. Wow, Moses in writing this, uh, in recording uh, God's words here, is really emphasizing the point that God is really asking uh, Abraham to give all of his hopes. It's going to be a big sacrifice. It is. And, ju- and, and it's a step of faith. Uh, the text says, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. You remember in Genesis 12, God says, go to the land of which I shall tell you. Mm-hmm. So another big step of faith, and then God is going to reveal, okay, it's it's these mount- this mountain that you're to sacrifice your son. Um, so, and, and you remember uh, in the content of this passage, you're asking yourself, okay, well, what is that covenantal... Um, level of interpretation or that progressive level. What covenant is this story under? Well, this is under the Abrahamic covenant. When God promises, I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to bless all the nations um, through you. So so this is a huge, again, a huge test of faith that that this promise of offspring now seems to be at risk. What's God doing? Um, And uh, verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Uh, this, again, these categories overlap. This, not only do we observe it in the content of this passage, but the theology. What is this passage telling us about God? 
God is a God of provision. Um, In fact, in verse 14, when God did provide a ram, uh, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Um, So uh, we're, we're observing all of these things in this passage. And, uh, Uh, We read again in verse 11, the the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. There's again that obedient servant. Um, And and then when we we, uh, ask ourselves, you know, how does this passage point me to Christ? When we look at this passage in light of the whole Bible, that canonical level we talked about, man, I mean, what more of an obvious passage uh, that points us to Christ? that here Abraham was spared from having to give his son, his only son, the son he loves. Who was it that did give his son, his only son, the son he loved? I mean, John 3, 16, that's, that's, that's God. Mm-hmm. God the Father gave his only son, his only begotten son, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, so we're actively engaged in thinking through these questions, you know, what's the theology of this passage? I mean, and what's the application? I mean, God is calling us to live by faith. God is calling us to to be obedient. Here I am. But all of it is in the context of the one son who did sacrifice himself for us, Jesus. So uh, this is maybe uh, an easier passage to kind of go through these three themes with. Um, but I think it gets our minds going with, you know, I need to be actively engaged in the text. I need to be asking myself, what's the context of this text? Text. What's the theology? What is it teaching and application? Boy, how do I now, how am I to live? How am I to deepen my trust in God uh, through this text? Right. And I would say that in my my teenage years, I would have read that and, and pretty much just kept on reading and said, hmm, wow, that's kind of a crazy story. I'm, I'm so glad Abraham didn't have to, have to kill Isaac. And then I just would have moved on. So I yeah. think um, understanding the richness of theology and what can be brought out of even those Old Testament narrative stories, yeah. um, it's just, it's exciting. It, yeah. it makes you want to go on this journey to find these things. Um, I'm going to um, point out a couple things about a New Testament passage. Um, recently, I've been studying in the book of Philippians, so I figured I would um, choose that passage. Um, I Is it okay if I read th- these verses just to, because it's a little yeah. different than yeah. um, in the Old Testament, you're reading these whole stories, but I, I feel like um, it would help if we read this. So this is Philippians 3, 1 through 11. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So this is uh, an epistle. Paul wrote it to the Philippian church and um, Paul often is writing in a sense that is making an argument. Um, so the repeated words and phrases mm. is really exciting in, in the epistles, yeah. I feel like. They really yeah. jump off the page. Um, in the context of this, too, besides just being a letter to the Philippians, um, Paul is writing it from prison. He really desperately wants to know how this church is doing. He loves them. This is almost a thank you note that he's writing to them because they have um, been supporting him. Um, financially and with some of his needs uh, that had stopped for a while, but he's still grateful for their their partnership in in his ministry and the furtherance of the gospel. And um, so in that context, he loves them so much that he's wanting to um, remind them of some things. And so in me just reading that, I tried to emphasize a little bit. You should have heard some several things mm-hmm. repeated. The idea of circumcision was in there. The idea of um, look out. He says that three times in a row. Look out, look out, look out. He's warning them of something. Um, He talks about his confidence in the flesh. He talks about knowing Christ. I mean, that's just a few. There were several other repeated things. So that's something that I would underline even in different colors as you're reading scripture. Uh, Then the main... Oh, did you have a question? No. Oh, sorry. The main point um, that you can kind of glean from this passage is that he is, number one, warning them of something with his lookout passage. He's also making the point that it, that um, we he ha- could have put a lot of confidence in the flesh, that huge list of all the things that, that he did uh, as a religious leader, as being... Um, born as a, a Hebrew, um, being circumcised physically. I won't take time to get into all of that, but he's making this big list of ideas, uh, of things that he could have put his confidence in. Um, but then there's a, a big transition in the middle there where he says, all of that stuff I count as rubbish for what? The worth, the surpassing worth. That's a great adjective there. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he's saying that, you know, all these confidences that he could have and what these false teachers are trying to persuade them to believe in again are all just rubbish. They're just trash compared to being found in Christ and knowing him and being united to him when Jesus comes back. So I would say, uh, what is the application that he is trying to make to his audience? He's saying, hey, don't put your faith in these other confidences. Don't trust in your, your own doing, the things that you feel like you can muster up and offer to God. Those are, those are trash compared to being found in Christ. And then <clears throat> it's really easy to go from that to application to, to my life. Where am I today? What confidences am I putting my trust in? Um, what things am I bringing to the table think th- thinking that that's going to make me um, 
look better in the eyes of God? Um, what? How am I suffering today? That I didn't even talk about the whole end of it where he talks about um, being found in Christ and being united to Christ and his sufferings and that actually conforming us to the image of Christ. But um, I think in a passage like that, just really looking for those repeated phrases, looking for the arguments that the writer of the epistle is making, um, and then those arguments he's making to his audience can easily be translated into uh, the arguments he's making to us and um, kind of a call to action there at the end that how am I going to go out and live in light of, of this transformation of my confidence. Um, so I know that was really fast. There's so much more to draw out of that passage, but hopefully you can see how even just 11 verses, there's so much to unpack in there. That's right. So <laughs> start where you are at. Um, even if even if you are getting uh, one, two, three nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, start with those things. Um, like Rachel mentioned, you know, you may know nothing about uh, any of that passage, but knowing there that that the overall goal is Christ and knowing him more. Or um, you may stumble over, you know, the, the, the story with Abraham and Isaac or whatever, but that big picture idea that there is a sacrifice required, God did give his only son, boy, that should produce a love, uh, a fervency for Christ in your heart. Um, so think about what you're reading and, and be asking yourself questions. So hopefully this episode was a help to you. And we have one more episode left. Yes. Can't believe we're wrapping up this first season already. All right. And the t- uh, the title of that one is... Uh, is is the Bible for men only? Yeah, is the Bible for men question. only? Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, end the season with, uh, with an interesting topic. Uh, but until then, may you be filled with the love and peace of Christ. You've been listening to the Know and Love podcast with Adam and Rachel Pereira. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on any of the apps that you use for your podcast listening, like iTunes or Spotify. That way, when the next episode drops, you'll be able to have it automatically on your device. Also, make sure to contact us with any questions or feedback on our website, knowandlovepodcast.com. We love hearing from you because it helps us shape the direction and the content of any future episodes.